مرحبا سلام and welcome to the Habibis podcast three game developers drinking good Arab tea I'm your host Fauzi Musmar and I'm Rami Ismail and I'm Osama Darius well uh, glad we got this one started today <laughs> <laughs> I mean well, why, why why what happened Rami why what happened we we're, we're, definitely, we're definitely recording this on Arab time. This is definitely. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we got to start it um, on a Sunday as we as we as we wanted to we, record it. Bonus We've points only for hit same the day. same time to start. <laughs> it's like the same day, same time every week, and somehow we always start like ten minutes late. But this one is special. We're, yes, we're like forty-five minutes in, and uh, I think I think I think we're out of time. It's like this. <laughs> <was> <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap it up no i mean that's a little standard um right I, I, as like growing up um whenever we needed to go somewhere I, I come from a big family i'm not sure if i mentioned it before but i have uh, four sisters and three brothers we're eight kids and um, my mom my, my dad is a don't like don't worry laid back type of person so whenever we had to be somewhere at let's say like 6 p.m or something like that um my mom as soon as we woke up She'd like prepare our clothes and like, you know, set the order of who's taking showers and all that stuff. And she's running around the house, making sure things are ready. We have to bring something as we discussed before, even though we were told not to. So she, she has something in the oven or whatever it is. And my dad is sitting down, sipping tea, watching TV or doing whatever. Up until about five minutes after the time we were supposed to leave when my mom is like, oh my God, we're going to be late. And he's like, we're late. He just makes this announcement. He gets up. He's like, we're late. Let's hurry. <laughs> that is Arab standard time. My issue is I kind of inherited both those traits. I hate being late. I try to be early as much as possible, but I'm also super laid back. So I do the Five minutes before the time, panic and rush because I hate. I don't want to be <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't know where you right. land on this. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm firmly in the Arab time for, like side. You know, like I'm never late. I'm never early. I'm always late though. Um, so not like Gandalf. No, totally like Gandalf. Gandalf is just saying it so he gets to be late, and that's kind of what I like. But like, I think I think the thing is just like. And it's it's a strange thing, but I think time just works differently there, right? Like time just works differently in the air world. It's not as, I mean, there's definitely situations where you want to be punctual and where you want to be on time. But for most social engagements, there's sort of like an unwritten contract that if you say like, we're going to be there at, you know, 4 p.m. to record a podcast, <laughs> then showing up at like 420 something is still acceptable. That's right. a, a very uh, random example, not based on any kind of reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I always found that fascinating because my, my mother is Dutch, right? And the Dutch are extremely punctual. So I grew up like Osama in, <laughs> in a family where time was treated very different. I remember we had to go to a wedding once, like, and I was a kid. I must have been like somewhere between six or, and eight, you know, really young. And all I remember is my mom used to be like, Okay, we need to go. We need to go. We're going to be late. And my dad's just like, it's fine. Like, just just relax. Like, they're not going to start at, you know, six or whatever it was. Um, and I just remember my mom just being so stressed out about being on time. We were, we were you know, not a big family like Osama's. We were, we were three kids. Um, it's so big. <laughs> it's, it's, it's enough to manage for mom that, you know, I've, sometimes I felt for her yeah. uh, having to manage all that. 
But my dad would just be sitting reading the newspaper while mom was like, make sure that she was dressed up well. She's obviously in a, in a different culture. So she wanted to make sure that everything was right and that she was dressed right and that uh, she wasn't being disrespectful. So she was making sure that she had all the cultural cues. And my dad was just sitting around and he would go like half an hour late. He would go, it's time to go. And then we'd get there and they're still setting up chairs. You know, they're just like, oh, yeah, hey, well, good that you're here. Like, come help, come help. We need to we need to set up that stuff. And. And my mom was just like, are they still preparing? And my dad's like, yeah, we start like two hours after the two hours after the invitation. Easy. Um, that's no, that's the confusing part about like having these events here in Canada, like where like Arab weddings or things like that, where about half the people show up exactly on time, <laughs> and the other half show up after the food was served <laughs> because people don't know what to do anymore. I, I did notice that, um, um, like outside of the Arab world, people apply the Arab time when they're invited to house parties. So, like, somebody invites you over to their place and says, "Like, you need like a party starts at five. No one wants to be the the only person that shows up at five. Well, like, right. you're awkward. The horse dog's like, oh, so you're here on time, and um, now we're just the two of us waiting for everybody else to come in. <laughs> so everybody, like, if the, if the party, if the house party is starting at five, everybody like would show up at seven, yes, seven right. twenty, or they yeah. will meet up with a bunch of people so that they come out together on time so that they don't have to. So do it's this. less awkward, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's that's the standard of Arab time. You don't want to be the first person there waiting. So, right. I so think maybe we just consider like... maybe we just consider everything a party. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. yeah. I mean, that's how most of us behave anyway. So it's, right. exactly. <laughs> Every... I, I had that like um like I, I'm like Osama. Like I used to be quite uh, chill with time. Used to be like you know without some uh, uh, occasional things that happen every now and then. But I'm much better with time now. It it, it hit me the most when I when I moved to Japan. And, oh. and, and they're like, you know, timekeeping is super important. So I'm like, you know, I have a meeting at four. I'm going up the stairs at like, you know, 3.55 and I'll be there on time. And like, you know, my Japanese colleague who starts calling me 15 minutes before the meeting. So I was like, where are you? It's like 15 minutes to the meeting and you're not there. It's like, yeah, well, it's in 15 minutes. And I'm just, <laughs> you know, finish the shisha and head over there and like, in a bit. <laughs> and, and like for them, it's like, you know, like there's a Japanese saying and it kind of stuck with me. It's like, if you're on time, then you're already late. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like it kind of like stuck with me and I've been like, you know, timekeeping has been a thing that I, um, that I maintain. And right. yes, it's a bunch of Arab people. Right. <laughs> I um I would like I think the Arab version of that would probably be like if you're 20 minutes late you're already early. <laughs> That's right. That's That's very true. I um I I will say I've the way I've learned to deal with this because obviously like I ended up running a company I ended up having lots of meetings the way the way I handle it now is I ask whether people want to meet on Arab time yes or, yeah. or on Western time and like. That is literally the question, and somehow everybody always gets it, oh, right? Yes. Everybody immediately goes, "Okay, so do you mean do are we going to be strict and punctual, and the meeting goes from exactly four until five, <laughs> or are we going to start somewhere between four and five, and it's going to go until eight?" <laughs> right, <That's> perfect. <laughs> so the, I have the most extreme example of this that I have is one of my friends who invited us uh, to iftar, like you know when you break your fast in Ramadan, one year to his house and was late. And you know, like when you're talking about, 
<laughs> when you're talking about iftar, like everyone is waiting. This is the only time Muslims are punctual because they have, <laughs> this is the only time it's universal where they're looking at the clock. They know exactly the, the second that they can break their fast. And this person showed up late because he was like, oh, I forgot to buy something. So I guess I'm going to go out five minutes before everyone shows up. It's fine. My wife will let everyone in. And she did. And she was a gracious host. And she's like, well, I don't know what to do now. Do we serve the food or do we wait for him to come back? And we didn't know what to do. He showed up. We were a little annoyed. But, you know, Arab time, it's fine. Yeah. The next year, he did the exact same thing. So we just stopped going to his house for iftar. <laughs> that was the solution. <laughs> That's also a very Arab solution, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. This person annoyed us around food once. Yeah. We'll give him one more shot. <laughs> but if he messes up our food one more time. It's over. Yeah, he comes to our house. <laughs> you know, like the, the Arab could be could probably like uh, associate with other things in our culture. Like for example, waiting for the bus, and then I look at the bus timetable, and then the bus actually showing up on time. I think was one of like the biggest culture shocks I've had after right. I left Jordan. <laughs> I was like, you know, like the, the timetable because like the bus is gonna be here at some point, and like yes. there's a number there. Um, the number is to give you like a show up. yeah, exactly. It'll give you like a general frame of reference about like the three hour time window in which that bus is. <laughs> gonna appear <laughs> but not the specific time and i can remember like i think in new zealand it was the first time i got encountered this i was like waiting for the bus to go to work on my first day and like it says 12 uh what is it uh, 9 18 or something like that like you know a, a ridiculous minute uh it's not like 20 it's 18 or 17 or something like this You're right and then the bus shows up on the dot and i'm like what? wow what happened <laughs> so does that mean i need to be here on time every morning unless i miss the bus yeah <laughs> uh, so so my experience with that was the opposite because i grew up most of my my conscious growing up happened in the netherlands and i would go to egypt like two or three months a year but for me buses were always punctual and then i go to egypt and you know there's a bus stop and it's just a sign that says bus stop <laughs> and there, is not really, there isn't really a time schedule anywhere to be found anyway you just stand there until the bus shows up inshallah and then you know there's two or three people so you ask one of them like when's the bus and they're like uh, it usually shows up in about 15 minutes but you know traffic <laughs> like at the, at the flip side i i wasn't once was in traffic in cairo and cars just wouldn't move and you, the cars there you know a lot of uh, klaxoning yes like, yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of honking, and um, so we're standing there, and like just the slowest trickle of um, the slowest trickle of movement, and eventually we get to this intersection, and there's this guy yelling, right, <laughs> at a bus that is parked. I I kid you not, pretty much in the middle of that intersection, as the bus driver is walking back from one of those street side stands where he bought some food. And he just ended up putting the bus in the middle of the intersection. Oh, then, my God. Like, I, I guess traffic had stopped moving and he'd been in a traffic jam. And he was just like, I'm just going to hop out real quick and grab some food for lunch. <laughs> and then traffic started moving again, I guess. So his bus was just the only thing standing in the middle of that intersection. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, that was like as you're telling the story it hit me this realization of like you know like that guy leaving the bus there in the middle of the intersection and going like i probably have enough time 
to get food and come back before you know the the, exactly. the street goes by. And it's it's the same mentality of like any Arab goes like my appointment's at four. I'm gonna leave at four and still make it on time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> maybe, that's how time works, right? Yeah, maybe deep down we are like the most optimistic nation on the planet. It doesn't show, it doesn't show in our faces at all, but, but it maybe, shows in our timekeeping. It shows in our timekeeping, yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. It's um I, it's it's just always staggering because people always go like, isn't that a little disrespectful? But I, it's not, right? Like yeah, it's it's about an intention behind it. The intention isn't to disrespect anyone. The intention is really to do right. It's like, okay, this is I'm gonna go fast. I'm just gonna leave this here, and I'm gonna go eat because I need to eat because my shift is right. really long. Like your the focus is not on I don't care about everybody behind me. So like the disrespect isn't there because the intention isn't there. I think I think also time is just. A, it's of a different priority, right? Like yes. I think the 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 humans end up a higher priority than the clock, right. which I I don't know. Like it, it's such a different way of living that it's really hard to explain how it works. And like it's not to say that that all Arab time is Arab time, right? There's <laughs> definitely things that we're punctual for, like work related stuff or something. You yeah. know, if it's important, we'll be there. But yeah, no, if you. In general, like you said, if you if you call somebody, if you, if I call an Arab friend and it's like, hey, it's four p.m., we agreed to be there at four p.m., they go like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm on my way, and they mean like I'm I'm getting out of bed right now, and as soon as I find my socks, <laughs> uh, I will I will try and start searching for my shoes. <laughs> And then I'll be on the way. Yes. It's always the socks, isn't it? And you can hear it in the in the person's voice. <laughs> yeah. They're like, where are you? It's like, I'm on the way. It's like, no, you're not. No, I hear your mom yelling at you in the background. <laughs> it's kind of wonderful, honestly. I don't know. I've always I've always appreciated that version of I like that because it's not just the starting time, right? It's also the ending time of things. Yeah. If you're gonna exactly. hang out and they're like, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this from four to five, you're like you have to be sitting there at eight. Yeah. There's no way yeah. you're leaving at five. If you're leaving at five, you might as well just like, you know, burn the house in this respect. This was an awful party. I'm headed out already. Like they, you just don't. I mean, in, in Iraq, it changes like the, the, the way you, your day is structured. Even your workday changes phenomenally between like winter and, and summer. Like mm -hmm. even like you in summer, it's hot. It gets <laughs> incredibly hot. So a lot of people split their workday where they work in the morning and then they go home, you know, during the lunchtime where it's hottest and try to cool down because no work is going to get done at all. And then they come back to work later and then they spend the night outside where it, when it cools down, like the markets are open till two or 3 a.m. And then you wake up whenever you wake up from that. And then you go to work in the morning for a little bit. And this shifts in winter In winter, it becomes more condensed. And you go to work for a big, long block of, of hours because you don't need to go home. It's not very hot. Yeah. And you stay out much. Like So time is fluid. And it's it's mm -hmm. it's fluid in order to accommodate people, right? So for right. convenience. It's not rigid or structured in the same way. I kind of miss like when they used to be um, dinner time at 11 p.m. And right. you just yeah. show up and like the streets are full with life and everybody. There's kids oh. running around and stuff. And it's almost midnight. And people yeah. are having... At 2 a.m. go like, hey, guys, you want to want some food? And then they like they rock up and have some food because <laughs> it's like, uh, like you said, the time completely shifts. Same thing in Cairo, right? Like uh, during summer, the days are split and 2 a.m. Is, is social time. It's where you're yeah. just hanging out. And we'd go to these uh, these nettis. Uh, do you have the idea of nettis in, in, uh, in Jordan and, and Iraq? Or? Is it like a club? So it's not like a dancing club. It's a social club. So uh -huh. there are these places where... 
um, where Egyptians will go and they'll hang out, but it's mostly like a terrace with a restaurant and some facilities, yeah. right? There might be a cinema mm -hmm. or sports fields. Most of them are themed around a certain subject. So oh. I'm I'm a member of uh, uh, Sid and and uh, another one, and it's like a, a shooting club, I guess. Like they have they have clay dove shooting. I uh -huh. don't know oh, how nice. I ended up a member of that one, but. Um, <laughs> I guess part of my family is, and and um, the 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 interesting thing I think is that that's where we would end up most days, and we would just you know have a food, um, <laughs> and um, they had some sports fields. There was there was another netty that I was a member of where we could go on boat trips on the Nile. Wow! Um, and it was just Wait, that sounds like a country club, but you're saying it's also for uh, for people who don't have money. Right. So that's kind of the idea. It's sort of like the so yeah, it's yeah, that's actually exactly it. It's sort of uh, um I mean they go to pretty exclusive, but in general, uh they they're kind mm -hmm. of like I feel like pretty much everybody has a netty that they could go to if they want to to hang out. Um I'm not sure if yeah, that's true, awesome. but it's definitely how how I've always lived my uh, my life and I'd play soccer and in one of the clubs that a tiny like caged soccer field. So the ball wouldn't end up in the Nile, you know, <laughs> but like same thing. You'd say like, we'll be there. We'll be there at eight or nine, uh, you know, after dinner. And then you show up at 11 because dinner was at 10 and then you hang out and then at two, you get one more bite and you go to bed. Right. Yes. I always like that version. It almost feels romantic to me, right? Like the sort of the, the romantic notion of time should adjust to the people rather than people should adjust to the time. And here, here in, in Europe, in the, the Western world, I feel like the only time we do it is daylight savings. And it's like the most formulaic, bureaucratic way of making time adjust to people. It's like, and no one likes it. Everyone like <laughs> reacts to it negatively. We'll shift it formally by one hour. It's like, <laughs> let's just all agree that everything is an hour later now. <laughs> no. uh, good luck with that. We have a hard time agreeing on which plug shape we should have in our home that's true that's true i wanted to to say that it's so funny that we were talking about how we were like arab time being late into stuff and we were like being late into starting this podcast how we actually how we actually like you know we talk about what games we've done and stuff we've done over the week and we've only done that 20 minutes late so right. 20 minutes into the podcast if you're listening for the first time we usually actually talk a bit about games before we get into a divergent so this time we just got into the divergent first before we talked about games you know, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see how things. This is go. why we add inshallah yeah, exactly. to everything we do in this country. <laughs> it's like uh, we have legal protection against us being binded to anything. <laughs> right. It's it's. It, I think we made good choices there. I think we made good choices. Rami, have you played anything other than like you got the new computer, right? You done? Uh, you right. played anything other than Flight Simulator, or like you watched something on it, or like did you? What 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 what's the what's the modern day crisis? To test your new machine. <laughs> uh, that's flight that's simulator. Flight simulator. <laughs> yeah, that's flight simulator. It's. I think it's one of the most demanding games out there on the market right now. If I play in VR, I have a thirty ninety in this computer, right? One of the, the. I think the best graphics card you can have right now, in a computer. I have a. I have a relatively new, like, well, relatively new. I have one of the the newer generation processors in there. In VR, like. I have to put it on medium to hit 30 frames per second, right? Like this game is intensive. Yep. Um, 
But I will say it looks beautiful when you do that. No, I, I will. I, genuinely, I have not done anything else on this computer. Um, I, pl I play my games mostly on PlayStation. Yep. And the computer is my workstation. So, you know, if you're a game developer, you kind of want a yeah. computer that can handle with the punishment of unoptimized games. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't optimize stuff until near the end, at least as an independent developer. Uh, optimization is, is relatively late. Oh, even in AAA, it comes it comes as late yeah. as you can po possibly right. bring it in. If it yeah. comes early, it'll just stuff more things in, and then, <laughs> then right. you need to optimize again. <laughs> exactly. On PlayStation, I've wrapped up on Hitman 3, um, uh -huh. and I thought it was very good. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it, I will say I did feel the good. game was a little bit front-loaded, so the best levels are near the start. Um, okay. definitely the Dubai level is incredible. And then there's a level in Dartmoor where without spoiling too much, it's this big grand mansion where a murder has taken place. Uh-huh. And you can approach the mission in Hitman style in every way you can possibly imagine. Uh, but one of them is obviously a detective has been called in. Um, <laughs> and you can absolutely take the role of the detective. And the game just turns into this wonderful game of Clue. Wow. Um, wow. So they, like knives out. Right, a little bit. And it has that It has that sort of atmosphere. It has the like weird family relationships. You don't have to approach a mission that way, obviously. You can just go in and like murder. Or you can like set up accidents or whatever. But... I feel like they did a really good job on like the little uh, mission stories, right? The 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 unique ways of approaching every mission. Um, yeah. The ones that are good in this game are exceptional, and the ones that are not good are pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Wow! So that's a high bar, anyway. Right. Yeah. Remind me again your recommendation for jumping into Hitman now that I haven't played one since I think whichever one came out ten years ago. Um, do you, should I jump in with the new Hitman one, new Hitman two, or straight into three? So, so I um I, last week I said that some of um some of Hitman was included in this one, right? And it turns out that yeah. yes, that's correct. I saw those menu options correctly. Uh, the way it works is with an access pass system, so you can actually buy Hitman two and Hitman one in Hitman three and access those. Okay. Now, the basic idea of the story is not super complicated, right? Hitman is an assassin. And uh, he works for this shadowy organization that has... A, there's another shadowy organization that is hostile to it. And you end up in the middle of it and having to figure out what is happening, basically. Um, I feel like the Hitman story was never, like, sort of the high point. It's, it's a puzzle game, right? So... Mm -hmm. Uh, if you want to start, Hitman 3 is as good a place to start as any. And if you enjoyed it, you can always go back and play Hitman 1 and 2 because you'll probably play it for the little puzzles and the, the, the fun little uh, experiments. Excellent. I second that because I, I started Hitman last week as well. And I jumped uh, right into Hitman 3. And man, um, like, I remember like we talked last week and we said that it's hilarious. Like I was like you know laughing the entire time. It's like one of the few times I've like I've never really like uh, streamed anything. But I was like I need to stream this because this is hilarious. Like, <laughs> at some point, at some point I think um in the in, in the tutorial mission, I was carrying rat poison and I'm still like you know trying to figure out the controls. So I, um, I think and um, you know like if you're carrying an item, uh, it, either the item is holstered or not. Right, and you can like, you can press a, so you can press a button to like put it back in your pocket, or you can press another button to drop it. Right. 
So so I'm I'm disguised as um, I'm in disguise and I'm walking in front of like a bunch of police officers, like the security of that place, and I like you know press the button. I'm like here he ends like walking around with the rat poison out. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, which button was I need to hide this before they see it. And I press the wrong button and he drops the right poison on the ground. <laughs> and the security guards goes like, hey, buddy, you dropped something. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that, never mind me. That's just my rat poison. Yeah. <laughs> I can pick it up quickly. I like run away. My, apolo- my apologies, sir. Let me just pick that up real quick. That's like it's shooting my, my horse poison. in Red Dead all over again. Every oh, time. no. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much of the stuff that is goofy like um, um i also i think um yesterday i finished the dubai map which right. uh, i agree with Rami. it's incredible except, and i, I saw the arabic there were some rooms that were like oh how are they going to translate that and there was like no translation i mean that's a smart way of doing it to be yeah. honest if you don't know how to translate it just, <laughs> just don't, don't translate do it. it exactly translate it it was kind of funny, like um, you know. So like every time I I think I oh man, I walk around this room and I'm like just find this like they've they've done this build up in the story about who this guy that I'm supposed to kill is and like you know how dangerous he is and all of this stuff. And then right next to him, as he was walking around, I'm like you know trailing him and trying to figure out what's going on. And on one of the tables, I see a banana, <laughs> and I grab the banana. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this banana, but I'm gonna hold this banana. So here I am, like dressed up in like super like. Um, high-ranking officer thing with a banana in hand, <laughs> and then and then like a dude sees me. Like there's uh, some some of the soldiers in Hitman that they don't recognize you, but some of them that they would they should recognize everybody and their staff. They will. So from a distance, he saw me and he was like, "Yo, what's going on?" And I'm like, "Panic in this mode, as I do in all stealth games. Panic, so I start clicking everything." <laughs> <laughs> I basically like lifted up the banana and turns out I can slam it in the guy's face and knock him unconscious for a second if it was a bit like you can use the same button if it was an apple or a soda can and that would knock a person unconscious (laughs) but in my case the banana just like annoyed him (laughs) he's like huh (laughs) it's just so many hilarious moments like this at some point I'm like dragging a body across and I'm like I'm gonna hide this body over this fence where nobody can seize it. Yeah. And as I dumped the body, I, I discovered that I dumped this in the middle of an exhibition. Right. <laughs> and there were like five people there. And everybody was like, crime spotted. I was like, wow. <laughs> I, um, You'd make a terrible hit, man. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, let me, let, me, let me just dump this over this fence here. And it's just like the police office, you know? He's just like, ah, oh, What? <laughs> it um, sounded quiet it yeah. was quiet enough so I was like I'm gonna just dump it here and continue my sneaky sneaky mission yeah it's perfect <laughs> and then throw bananas at people <laughs> I don't know I'm like my stories are like I'm sneaking around the building hacking a safe finding a security guard triggering the fire alarm and then sabotaging the parachute of the guy escaping. Like, that's my stories. And your stories are like, well, I dumped a body over a fence into an art exhibition. And then when the guards showed up, I slapped them with a banana, which annoyed them. You should definitely start streaming these, Fuzzy. Yesterday, like, there was these two guards. And this guard is going on this like patrol cycle. So he goes to like the soda machine, pretends to buy a soda, never buys a soda. And then walks back and stands next to um, a classroom. And there's another uh, guard by the soda machine. So first time he's standing next to the classroom, I was like, 
is this a window or two way mirror? So I was like, I'll strangle him and see. <laughs> Detected, <laughs> reload. <laughs> so, and then like he kept on like, and like I just realized that this patrol cycle was so small that I got really frustrated at him. And I couldn't just, you know, move past this. I, I need to kill this guy. <laughs> so I just got inspired by his patrol cycle and just grabbed the soda can and slammed it in the other guy's face. <laughs> and <laughs> I choked both of them and hid them behind um, the soda machine. So I called that my soda assassination. And that's how I got my disguise. I love it. That should give you an achievement, soda assassination. <laughs> it should be like soda in the face. It has to be something around that. <laughs> it's a very good game. It really is. I can't yeah. wait to try yeah. it. I, it's on my list, but as you know, we, we're on the same boat. Our backlogs are growing. Right. I keep adding games that I'm playing and not uh, finishing any. So well, I'll get there. Where are you playing? So yeah. uh, I made progress in Cyberpunk. Uh, I have no idea where I am and I'm not going to spoil it. But um, You're I'm... probably at the thing where some stuff Stuff happens. happens. Exactly oh. there. How did yeah, you know where I'm stuff remaining before more stuff happens. Are, are you right. two spying on me? Yes. <laughs> Uh, also made progress in Days Gone, <laughs> and Days Gone is really growing on me. Um, oh, I okay. yeah, I, I started off saying like thinking, okay, I, I, this is fine. It's a zombie game, um, and I can play this. And now I, I'm actually really liking the main character, and that's uh, like I questioned initially why he was uh, a motorcycle guy, and now I understand really why. Like that, um, you know, that uh, contrast between what you would expect from someone with that. Uh, stereotype to be like and the character that they're actually building I think it was actually powerful and meaningful to me so I'm, I'm really I'm enjoying it I'm still playing it I, I feel like I'm maybe about halfway through but I, I like the story arcs and I like the structure uh, one of my favorite things about it it's an open world game where I don't necessarily know which of the missions are main story and which are not and I can't really see the thread of which ones initialize which you know what I mean it's right. just this vague tapestry of like different events that are happening in the world and i prefer it this way like i i i like the the, the not knowing i instead of being you unlock this next waypoint and now you unlock this next waypoint and there are other things you could do on the side but you know you're wasting your time if you do those because uh that's that's the thread that you have to follow so anything that you do outside of that you're consciously doing it now it's more like i don't know I really, I'm just not sure. There's a whole bunch of threads. You see the threads. I wish they didn't tell you the percentage of completion on them. That kind of removes that feeling a little bit but i ignore it i try to ignore it as much as possible and i don't know when these threads are starting when when you're able to make progress in them again and i like that i like that i feel like the world is more alive and that there's actually it's happening around me instead of waiting for me to come so that it could move on if you know what uh, yeah i remember i remember that feeling of being like do you think this will progress the story or is this just because it's usually like a mission like go help this person do a thing yes and then, like, everything's on fire and story is happening. And you're like, what? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was very good. I, I can see why, how some people would like that less. And that would be a very fair um, opinion to have. But for me, this is this is what I want to see more open world games try to do. I, I can't right. think of another one that really... I mean, Breath of the Wild kind of did this not by having like a lot of story, but just by giving you a lot of things to do in the world and giving you agency or where to go next. But the feeling is is similar story-wise not the rest of the exploration is completely different right. but that feeling of um i get i i get to choose what i do next it's is actually special uh, i also started playing cyber shadow uh it's the yacht club games uh, next game i think after shadow. oh yeah oh shovel knight um i played it for a couple of hours two three hours 
it feels like Shovel Knight in a lot of ways. Like I, that, those tight controls that feel good. You know the the um, like the, the the you feel like your skill matters big time. But Sama, the, describe the game for us. What is uh, Cyber Shadow exactly? So Cyber Shadow, thank you. Actually, uh, I should have led with that. Cyber Shadow is an homage. Like if if you played Shovel Knight, you know that Shovel Knight is like the eight bit game that really wasn't, but that makes you feel like it's an eight bit game. Like it feels instant, instantly nostalgic, as if you've played this game in the past, uh, or that this game came out as an NES game in the past. Um, and you're just unlocking those memories you've had. If you're as old as I am and you're young enough to play those NES games, that feeling of nostalgia is like is there. Cyber Shadow has that. It's a ninja game where it kind of feels like the old school Ninja Gaiden a little bit, um, and that's pretty much it. And that's where the, the 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 similarities between the two is that they both feel like tight controls. Like you're you're it's a 2D platformer with 8-bit graphics or like 8-bit with quotations. I did the quotations. I just didn't tell you about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's where there's one thing that's missing where in uh, Shovel Knight, you had a shovel as your, your main weapon and all the mechanics that came from it were shovel-like mechanics where you had it felt like you had this indestructible shovel that you're able to deflect um, projectiles with, you're able to dig with, you're able to to there's this charm, there's personality, and the character because of that was um, memorable, like incredibly memorable, and all of the supporting cast, all of the other villains that you fight were in a very Mega Man-ish way. They were unique and interesting and and memorable in their own light. Mm. Cyber Shadow, I'm I'm still early on, but there's none of that. The charm isn't there. Okay. It feels like a generic... I cannot remember what the, the ninja looks like if I don't look at a screenshot because he just looks like a ninja. I can't remember what the enemies look like because they just feel like um, insectoid robot things. Right. Like, they're, they're, it's so generic and disappointing, but the game feels good. So mm-hmm. I'm going to keep playing and I'll let you know if things get better Uh, in terms of that charm, I, I'm waiting for a twist to happen, and that you're not really a ninja, but you're something else, and you're making. But right, your your only actions are jump and slash with weapon, right? And then eventually, a little bit uh, uh, later on, and I'm, I actually spent five minutes trying to figure out how to throw a shuriken because I'm like, come on, every game at least starts you off with a shuriken, and spoiler, but that was unlocked a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Like you, super bare bones, super super bare bones. Well, let's hope let's hope it grows. I guess I hope so. I really hope so. I mean, it's a finished game, so it's not like that. I'm waiting for DLC. I'm just waiting to see if there's a progression of anything. But I'm I'm waiting for that charm. So far, I fought like two bosses, and I I couldn't tell you exactly what they look like anymore. Already, they just so know. when I played Shovel Knight, I think like Shovel Knight reminded me a lot of that. Um... Uh, uh, like other than how it plays it has a lot of like like mega man kind of feel yes um and the music was incredible yes how's the music in this one the music is incredible and you have that mega man feel as well like the the intention like you know the intentionality of the jump like where you're committed to the jump that kind of feeling where you don't have super air control like not not as much as you would have in in more recent games that's there where, where everything is deliberate it feels good you don't feel like you're cheated You know, you, you feel like I missed this. I could have gotten this. The window was there. So th- that that's what keeps me playing. Like I'm actually enjoying the game. But like if I turn it off, it's out of my mind instantly. Right. Well, which is not the case for Shovel Knight. Well, you're, 
You're also reading like seven books at the same time, right? So. <laughs> there's barely enough space in your mind. It's filled with so many other things that yeah. I have. To that's, that's fair. That's fair. I'll take that. <laughs> I just realized another game that I've run on my PC to, to really properly benchmark it. I played a few hours of Post Void again. Did either of you play Post Void? Post Void. No, I haven't. Do you played. like first-person shooters? Yes. I do, yes. Do you have no sensitivity to flashing colors on your screen? No. No. Okay. Then post void is if you take a first person shooter, add every VFX that you can possibly think of, <laughs> like every single one, it's all there. And then make it a speedrunning game where you die if you don't kill enemies. Oh. Um, okay. And the entire point is just to get to the end of the level. A level is between 15 and 30 seconds long. And nice. you just run through headshotting things, sliding, running, jumping, getting to the end of the level. I think a full run is probably not even like, it's it's minutes. Okay. Uh, but it's going to take you like months to get good enough. Uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite special. It's really intense, but if you're up for sort of like, like a Devil Daggers-esque uh, experience, I can really recommend it. Um, most of all, I've played this months ago when it originally came out, and I I just felt like quick shooty game, and um, I'm I'm entirely hooked again. So well, I like that feel of like you know constantly move and shoot, uh, kind of like uh, do the new Doom games uh, get when you're like you want to stay like once you're in the zone of a Doom of one of those Doom games, you're just moving around and shooting all the time. And I like that, that this game is basically that, um, but from the pictures that I'm seeing, it looks like on acid. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really intense. It's really good in that way. Like if you, if you pull off, you know, if you pull off a headshot, you don't even wait for, you know, the body to drop or anything. Like you don't have time for that. You just keep mm -hmm. moving and, and just keep shooting. And it's, it's this really intense sort of like Zen-like, state of extreme violence <laughs> yeah i don't know it you just keep moving there's hotline miami vibes coming from like what i'm seeing as well on, right. on the steam page right yeah it, it has a little bit of that it's super fast you don't have time to think you just got to keep moving uh, it has a bit of a roguelike structure but it, it's just really fun uh, the gun feel even though there's very few guns is like destiny worthy right oh like, wow the gun is super satisfying. Like getting a headshot is super satisfying. That's high praise. Yeah, I mean, man. especially with Rami and Destiny. Right. <laughs> Bungie is, a, I mean, in, in in my view, remains masters of. I mean, I'm I'm wrapping up the Destiny season right now, and, uh, and I want to get all my I want to get all my trophies. Bungie does this really cool thing where every season has a bunch of goals, and if you complete the goals, you can buy a physical pin. Oh, nice! Like, it's pretty heavy metal i don't know what kind of metal it is but like a seal and like a cute little box with like uh looks like it looks very fancy it probably isn't but it looks very fancy mm -hmm. and i collect those like for most seasons where the goals where i see the goals and i'm like oh, i can do that i try and do that but right now like all that's left for me is just grind right like all i'm doing is just like okay well i need to get 50 of that i need to get 20 of that but the thing is i don't care because jumping around and shooting stuff is just fun I did do, I don't know if we have time for this, but I did do the raid. Oh, tell us more yeah. about that. Oh, we do have time. I love yeah. Fauzi as a host. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's super like good. A, super good. It's, it's, it's relaxed timekeeping for this podcast. Uh, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. This is going to give me much more editing time on the other end. <laughs> but, um, 
No, so the raid is... So it's called the Deepstone Crypt. It's a thing that the Destiny lore has sort of... A place that the Destiny lore has long been referring to. It is an absolute highlight. It is... Yeah? Yeah, it is staggeringly good. It, Those raids are usually super difficult if you don't have people that have been through them or know what they're doing. Like the exploration phase of figuring the raid out is like dozens of hours from what I've seen. Uh, or like some of the, some of my own personal experiences even. With, right, uh, I think older, the... Uh, raids. The top crews took about five and a half hours to to figure it out. Oh, um, wow, nice. But it is, like, the thing is, you know, Bungie excels at gunplay, right? That's what they're good at. That's that's what they do, the sense of, like, feel, the sense of impact. And the the raid has an enormous amount of fun encounters, but mostly it has really good breathing. Mm-hmm. It, like, slows down and speeds up. It has these incredible moments of pacing, there's one moment after what is probably probably the most complicated fight I think in the uh, in the raid. There's just this like three minute calm down section where you just you're just like jumping to jumping around, beautiful views, beautiful music. That the person that was like uh, sherpaing, the person that was like guiding us through the raid, just uh, you know before we went through the door to that section, just went like. You all might want to mute yourself and turn up your music. Oh wow, that's right. cool! It's that it's that kind of moment. Like as soon as it kicks in, you're like, "Wow!" Wow! Just a sequence of highlights for Bungie right there. Like everything they're good at, doing it at their best. Uh, I I was, I'm completely enamored with that raid. I can't wait to run again. These things are always a highlight, actually. Like even like the ones I've mentioned, like because there was updates that were out after I played, stopped playing or something like this. I always watch them and just watching them and watching players experience them go like, you know, bungees are masters of their trade with the, these kind of stuff. Right. I dabbled a little bit with the messenger, but just for like, oh, you know, yeah. an hour or so. But that game is solid, man. Like, I love I, it. I missed it somehow. What is it, two years ago or something like this? Yeah. When it came out? I'm in the credits yeah. of that game. Well, as a special what? thanks, but still I'm. <laughs> it still oh, counts. I, I give feedback, you know. To... Yeah, no, no, it counts. Yeah, it counts. Oh, you're, like a, you're like an expert on ninja games. If well, I make a ninja well, game, I have to have a, have a, like, have a look at it. Well, that's right. the thing. I was, I'm was i a little bit biased when playing Cyber Shadow because I feel, and I'm, I'm ve- actually a little bit, I'm very biased because I feel the messenger did <laughs> the Ninja Gaiden better. You know, right. the, yeah. the, the old game made new thing. Uh, but yeah. again, I finished a messenger. I did not finish. Uh, cyber shadow so i'm going to give it yeah. more time but right now I, I can't shake that feeling i think a lot of it has to do with just how good shovel knight was and how much i loved right. it but yeah. i think the expectations it's such a high were... peak exactly exactly but the messenger is great oh. if you have if, if someone else missed it i would highly recommend it especially the beginning there's i know there's a a lull near the middle where some people were thrown off but even if you play until that point and stop you'll you'll be extremely satisfied Right. Yeah, I loved it. It's on it's on Game Pass uh, right now. So if you have that, you can just download it. And um, you know, one of the things that you know that haunts me in my dreams sometimes about the the original Ninja Gaiden is the knockback. Right. Um, <laughs> I just like remember like you know just jumping in the air like oh god, please don't hit the bat or the whatever projectile hit my way, and then I like I am. A bounce back into another bounce back into my death like you know right. sometimes like a, a jump that i knew i would land will just get a domino effect into a disaster right <laughs> and in the messenger you have an upgrade that, that can get you to get rid of this stuff <laughs> and that was such a relief you were <laughs> just like, like oh, finally god. revenge for my childhood oh my god man ninja <laughs> gaiden 
I don't think I ever finished that as a kid, to be honest. Oh, I There's never so did. many games I never finished. Yeah, I came yeah. close. I played that game to death. I knew it by heart. I, I still remember a lot of the, the levels right now and the sequence to get through. But no, they made it impossible to finish at the end. <laughs> right. The, this the, is like some of those nightmare games that are gonna come out. I think there's another one coming out. This Ghost and Goblins. They're remaking that. That oh, was right. also a, a oh, nightmare yeah. game for me <laughs> that I love a lot. Actually, on that note, um, yeah, that, that's all the time we have, and a little bit more a little actually bit extra. <laughs> over time, and a little bit extra. You get your bang for your buck, which is uh, yeah, more Habibi time. <laughs> Um, I had a blast doing this. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everybody who's been subscribing and sending us feedback. Keep that feedback coming. And uh, yeah, talk to you um, next week, inshallah. Inshallah. <laughs> Salam alaikum. Salam. Salam. That was the Habibis podcast for this week. I am Fawzi Masmar, your host for this episode. You can find me on Twitter at Fawzi Masmar. My fellow Habibis were Osama Dorias, who you can find on Twitter at Osama Dorias, and Rami Ismail, who you can find on Twitter at THA underscore Rami. Send us your questions, stories, and suggestions via info at thehabibis.com. Intro and outro music was provided by Malik Zubela, and the logo was provided by Ibrahim Hamdi. The Habibis is a weekly podcast about three game developers drinking good Arab tea with new episodes launching every Friday in Shalom. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to your favorite podcasting service or check out thehabibis.com for more information. Thank you for listening. Salam. <laughs>